Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint. Thank you so much for joining me. Maybe you have ancestry that ties you to the Scottish Clans, or maybe you've watched Braveheart, Outlaw King, or Outlander, and it piqued your interest, or you want to learn more about the leading kindreds of Scotland and answer such questions as, what was a clan? How did clans function? Who is a member of a clan? How did clans begin? Do my ancestors connect to a clan? What are some cool stories from the history of the clans? If you have any of those questions on your mind, this is the right podcast for you to listen to. Now, this today is going to be the final installment of my series. It's actually just one long conversation I had with Mike Doyle from the YouTube channel Clans and Dynasties, uh, one of my favorite channels. And then he does work with other um, other podcasters, or, you, or I should say YouTube channel producers like Phil Philip with Irish Medieval History and they've done some guest interviews with some other people so not only is his channel worth checking out go ahead and when you give when you find that channel on YouTube like and subscribe to it click on notifications all the things that you would do to support somebody's YouTube channel and then check out the ones the other content that he has that he's collaborated with other people on it in addition to mine so um also, I just might throw out there that I do have a YouTube channel, so if you've never checked out the Scottish Clans on YouTube, go ahead and try that out. It's the same as the podcast title. I'll provide, I usually do provide a link to it in my podcast notes, so there's that. Also, I do want to give a shout-out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. They have the top-notch quality products, not just their kilts. I like their kilts are awesome. I have two of them. I have a casual kilt for for bumping around in the mountains, and I have... Uh, more a five-yard wool kilt for more formal occasions. But then they also have a ton of other um, products on there that not only are meant to go with kilts, but also express just your general connection to Scottish heritage. So if that interests you at all, go over to usakilts.com. Also, they have a YouTube channel, so go out and check out theirs. They have, they have tons of cool content on there about wearing kilts and Scottish clothing and Scottish history in general and culture and all that stuff. So go check out USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions on YouTube. All right. Now, I am about to turn you over to my final chunk of my conversation with Mike Doyle. I just want to give him a shout out and, and a huge thank you for coming on here and sharing his knowledge with us. During this last portion of my conversation with Mike, we actually start to really dial in on the relationship between Irish and Scottish clans, and we use the McSweeney's to illustrate this point. Now, the McSweeney's were a clan that had claimed Irish descent, but had become a clan in Scotland, yet they find themselves later on in their history returning to Ireland, and now, today, we associate the name McSweeney more with Northern Ireland than we do with Southwest, the Southwest Highlands and Isles, which is where they had become very powerful at during one time. But their fortunes changed as they do. Now, if you want a little bit more detail on this specific topic, you can go back and check out a, an episode that I have. It's uh, 107, episode 107, the McSweeney's, a Scottish or an Irish clan. Which one were they? And so I dive into this, but in my conversation with Mike, we use the McSweeney's as kind of a springboard or a platform to, to discuss the general relationship between Irish and Scottish clans. And I think that he actually brings a lot of value to the table on this topic because he has studied more about Irish clans than I have, and but he also has a pretty good knowledge of Scottish clans. So he's, he's a great person that can pull this together. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you have enjoyed these 
chunks of the conversation I had with Mike. And without any further ado, I will turn it over to him. Can you talk to us about Irish clans versus Scottish clans, how they were set up, how they were similar, the integration between them as these Gallo Glass clans are coming down and, and establishing themselves in Ireland, what that landscape socially would have looked like compared to where they were coming from. Can you talk to a little bit to, about that? Well, see, um, like I said, we sort of touched on the sort of early formations, like you said. Um, when the Galagas are sort of coming into Ireland in the 13th century, we have effectively a common, common enemy, you know, the English, you know, Normans uh, are, are sort of in. So that's changed the landscape as well, much like when the Vikings, the co common enemies tend to sort of form these wee bursts of nationalism and a sense of identity. So um, there is a bit of more of a, you know, homogenous idea on how certain things should be run because uh, at the same time you're fighting this kind of an enemy that's got a different system, that's got a primogenitor, it's got a very strict rule on, um, you know, how how families are meant to inherit. Uh, but by and large, the Gaelic sort of societies remained the same, small family groups led by larger family groups, led by larger family groups. Um, and all of them sort of working in conjunction to make sure that the wider sort of chain area works effectively while jostling against other people. Scotland, exactly the same. You've got these, the high court, the score, the court of Scotland sort of, uh, you know, thanks to David obviously being uh, bossed into England and uh, not just him, it happens with earlier kingdoms too, but we see this sort of like Norman feudalism um, forming there. Um, and it's sort of being met at the same sort of push with the Highlands. The Highlands are sort of doing the same thing. They're, like you've said, succession, editing family trees, but they're by and large at a local level maintaining the same sort of king group um, distribution of land, distribution of wealth um, amongst sort of kin and making sure that people don't tend to really fall out in the fringes um, unless they're exiled from certain classes. So when those Groups are coming across to Ireland. Now, bear in mind that Sweeney's could be classed as maybe one of the exceptions in the fact that they claim to be descent from the uh, Kilcall, um, an Irish group, and they move into the specific area where the Kilcall are from, uh, which is the O'Donnell territory of Donegal, which is on the northwest of uh, Ireland. So they just happen to move into the very area that they claim to be from. Um, and the reason they do this is they have a... Um, and a sort of uh, links there anyway from Fosteridge. They had previously fostered, fostered an O'Donnell. Um, and so they've gone across and settled in this land. And very quickly, they're given land. They're given title. They're adopted into these. I guess the best example would be uh, most of your uh, listeners would be aware of the McDonald's and their, um, oh, what's the... The groups, the families, the where they all sort of meet up and they're the given titles. Council title. of the Isles. Council of the Isles. Thank you very much. Don't know why that skipped my head. Um, yes, so they're uh, they're very much integrated. That's how the clan system kind. Of, that is actually the McDonald's version of you know the clan system in effect. That is their way of a. That's that was them re, part of their regalization. Um, you know their. Uh, but I just mentioned earlier, so they're a Gaelic revival. Um, it, it can't. This stemmed from that. 
Um, it's a rather crude attempt of it, you know, because at the end, at the same time, they're not really embedded in it. Um, but so the McSweeney's would be aware of that system. They were very much in the influence of the Council of the Isles in that area. Um, so when they've come across, they've very quickly been adopted into the O'Donnell's sort of Council of the Isles, as it were, the King, the clan system. Um, what I has always sort of legitimised the argument for me that they are of Irish descent or Gaelic descent um, is that they are accepted very quickly into that. No other clan, no other, no other Gallo-Glass clan kind of ends up there in that sort of situation. The McSheehy's do end own land in Munster. Are the you McDonald's talking about were, integrated to that level? That level, yeah. Okay. They would own land. They were even, when, when they were given land in Donegal to O'Connell, they were then invading neighbours and taking their land, you know. Um, so, which is, you know, they, these are king groups related to the King O'Connell. So they're, they're basically uh, expanding their own power base at the expense of the person who's just give them land effectively or you know so even though they're not doing anything about it because maybe it's done with a bit of a you know at the end of the you know it's politics so maybe the adults are kind of not really that bothered by it um but it just sort of to me legitimizes the argument that they definitely see themselves as related whether they are or not they definitely both sides agree have come to the terms that we are related um, you don't see it with anyone else. The McDonald's, um, although they would be constables of like Ulster and, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the under the O'Neills, uh, they'd be constables in uh, um, over, under the O'Connors. Um, they don't ever get to that position. And then they eventually a McDonald branch will settle in um, Leinster um, and uh, have a wee bit of a kingdom of its own, a mini sort of, you know, uh, tour uh, of its own. Um, but it doesn't integrate into the politics the same way. It, it becomes its own entity, which is any power base can do with a, with armed troops like that. But it doesn't become assimilated into um, the, the more local politics that the McSweeney's do. So it's it, they are an anomaly um, in that sort of aspect. Um, but it just shows that the, by and large, they were most Gallo Glass captains were given land, and they were you know, very basic level of of feudalism in the sense that they would be at the bottom of the pile. You know, you've earned your keep, you've got your, you know, you can have your land, you can have your five villages to pay your uh, rent with or whatever, but um, you're not going to be voting on big issues. You're not going to be uh, in succession talks or anything, you know. Where so the it's, were at that level. Yeah, the McSweeney's were a very high level and very quickly, which again, you would think that other families related to the King O'Connell's, like the Gallagher's, the O'Doherty's, I mean, the O'Doherty's actually ruled to O'Connell at one stage very briefly, but so they would then see themselves as very important in the discussion with anything that would happen in that area. And they don't seem to challenge the McSweeney's um, in whatever they're doing. So it, it, at no point does it seem like... Um, it's an outsider coming into, uh, but the fact that they're able to do it very quickly as well shows that there is definite similarities between the two countries as well. They're not countries at the time, but two uh, regional areas um, that they can just sort of straight in, you know, off the back of running away from England, um, yeah. assimilate straight. 
Well, I know they lost out in Napdale to like a bunch of their territories in the 1260s to the the Stuarts who were just across mm. in that Renfrewshire area. And then the Stuarts, like you pre pre, like you mentioned earlier, pre picking the wrong side or the losing side in the Scottish Wars of Independence, they were already starting to lose out to the Stuarts who yep. established themselves as kind of like a bulwark against this Hebridean world there. But and, and it's interesting, I was thinking as you're talking about how successful the McSweeney's were in this and the level uh, they so and I didn't understand that before you just explained that, that they that they were like the top tier, like there was tiers within Galaglass and on, on a lower level on a bottom tier, any old any old family was handing over their big strapping boys to go earn a few bucks or maybe better, maybe do better than that, but um, then all the way up. And so they'd go in there and they'd fight. And, but at the top of the pile of McSweeney's, and I didn't know that there's that different levels by thinking about different factors that would go into that. And I'm looking, I'm still looking at my named public profiler map here that we used a minute ago, the mix where the McSweeney's held territory in Scotland was very immediately across the channel from Ireland. So geographically, mm -hmm. And maybe we, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't speak for anybody else, but have created false boundaries, even though I, the, I intellectually, I understand that the high to a seafaring people that high that the, those waters are just a highway to them. With that in consideration. That's all part of the same world that where they ended up settling in Ireland was not a different country, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Then where they were just coming from, they were just like, it'd be like in the States, just moving to a different state almost. Uh, uh, do you know what, I'd be honest, I'm not joking when I say I'm pretty sure um, when I, I can see Scotland and <laughs> I like I said, if I grew enough or if I did a couple of weights for a week or two, I'm not even getting, I could probably throw a stone at it there. I think it's only 12 mile yeah. um, between you know the, our two closest points. Um which is is nothing. It really is nothing. nothing. The, the fact that you can see it is 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 more than ever. Because if you can see it, you're gonna go. People are gonna go. What's over there? And especially in early, you know, in earlier periods, they're gonna right. go. What is that? What is that? You know, uh, you don't need that much seafaring equipment on a clear day to do twelve mile. Um, and in fact, I think we're drifting apart. So, give it a thousand years ago, we were probably only about you know ten or eleven miles. So, um. <laughs> Every mile counts, but what I'm saying is, is that uh, it was it was just as it was a highway. Um, uh, just as much, there were periods where it became a bit of a boundary um, for uh, for other reasons, but by and large, it, it was it was no great feat. Um, no 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 McSweeney proto McSweeney in the Bronzes was getting a pat on the back for for travelling it because it wasn't seen as a great <laughs> great expedition. <laughs> it was no, it was no Leif Erikson or yeah. <laughs> I can think of it right here in the valley that I live in. So so I'm in the the very northern Utah, and in the the valley, the mountain valley that I live in, twelve miles away, I I can see Idaho from here. Yeah, it's a completely different state, but the top, I don't know, third of the valley I live in is actually in Idaho. Right. And and there is a highway and I can just drive up and I can see and the, my hometown is not in this valley. It's it's in just over the this mountain range and then a little farther north. But I can see the peaks from here that I saw going to high school 
Yeah. The same peak. I can see it from here. Yeah. So <laughs> it was like I say it was uh, people look at a very it's a two D map. Uh, you know, and you're looking yes. down on it and you see this great big and yeah, the Irish Sea can be very, you know, it's got some pretty bad weather. Um but those two points really are very, very close together. Um and which like I say leads very much into an example of so when Edwin uh, Campbell sort of explained his earlier origin routes, which we've already gone over, um, it doesn't make it seem like it's not a million miles apart, so it's not completely to be ignored. Um, at the same time, uh, like I say, there are sort of uh, the Viking era, heavily pirated regions, stuff like that, which would uh, countenance the continuance of uh, uh, migrations between the two all the time. But uh, yeah, it, so it made sense. It made sense for them to go that way, the McSweeney's and, and all Gallo Glass, especially with the war con continuous warfare, the way Ireland was structured. Um, but it's just the McSweeney's to be able to establish themselves the way they did um, uh, compared to their other competitors. Now, I don't know, like, I know the McSweeney's did sort of branch off into other sort of uh, families and went the other direction. Some smaller branches went and joined, you know, to the east. Um, whether the fact that the pool of the McSweeney sort of hierarchy were entirely invested into that manoeuvre, whereas the Mackays or the uh, McCabe's or the McDonald's were cadet branches going down there you know they it's not their entire sort of life savings being dragged with them it's you know it's um it, it's sort of branches of them that you know the the clan as a whole isn't entirely wholly invested in that uh, the outcome so they don't get the full return that the McSweeney's got who were do or die you know if yeah. they didn't get in that there was nowhere for them to go um so that could obviously play a part um uh, but you know it's uh it's definitely one worth thinking about but uh like say uh another good family is mcdonald's they like i said they got their own wee bit of land and they were like border marchers um in leinster and sort of played the o'moors the fitzgeralds and the o'tools and the mcmores against each other and sort of got a wee <laughs> bit into politics but nowhere near to the level the McSweeney's did. Well, it's, that's, that's really interesting that now, um, I just maybe one last question. I want to be respectful of your time. Like Mike, honestly, like with somebody else who loves the subject as much as I do <laughs> and, and on, on a lot of areas has studied this to a much greater depth than I have. I, I really could do this all day, but in respect for your time, if I could just ask you another question about, so there's, and you you have mentioned this in one of your videos. There's a difference between Gallo Glass and Red Shanks. Before I let Mike answer that question, I want to give another shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. Guys, if you have any desire at all to wear something that to express your connection to Scottish history, perhaps it's your cultural heritage, maybe you're just interested in it. If you want to get a kilt or anything else to express that, go to usakilts.com fine quality products, fine customer service, free shipping in the U.S. Go check them out. Also go check out their YouTube channel at USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. Tons of cool content on there. I This past, you know, it's winter now. In fact, it's a couple days before Christmas, so Merry Christmas, everybody. But I have enjoyed this past summer, spring, fall, 
uh, wearing my kilts out on hikes. I actually had a uh, work Christmas party recently. I wore my USA Kilts kilt to the Christmas party. So go check them out at usakilts.com. Or is uh, there? Yeah. Or is there? Go ahead. I mean, they, they kind of work the same way in the sense of there are mercenaries coming in. But I mean, but by this stage, by the time the gallow glass are sort of the red shanks are in existence are coming in, the gallow glass are not really traveling to Ireland. They're already in Ireland. They're settled in Ireland. In fact, there's arguments that some of them are now of Irish descent in the sense of because Irish, the continuation of gallow glass whittled down the, the amount of men that these families had to fight. So they were bringing in um, fostering and adopting Irish children, you know, so the lines between being a Scottishman and an Irishman and a, the, the gallow glass in this sort of uh, context are so blurred, you know, um, the only thing really they've got them linking them to Scotland for the most part is a surname, a shared surname. But they're not involved in each other's business anymore. They've gone off and done their own thing. Um, so it, the Red Shanks are like a new wave with new technology. Um, <coughs> so the the Elizabeth is obviously kind of like also very against gallow glass. You know, they are the root of a cause of problem that every time the Irish rebel, this is where they get the pool of their troops that cause the most harm to English interests in Ireland. Um, so there's a, there's obviously religious aspects involved in that too. So the the red shanks are really just the new gallow glass. They work the same way, exactly the same way, 300 years later with the newest technology, with maybe a new religious outlook, a new, so that they're just the, they're the new boys on the block, but they're like every other boy band. You know, they just, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, it, it just, it, it, it's, it, there's not really, the only difference is, uh, like, the idea is just a repeat of the same ideas I'm for. They've just got the new equipment, got the new religious outlook, uh, got, but they've got the same ideas. Um, they're, they're, they're structured the same way uh, in battalions, um, you know, that they're just, they're, they are effectively the same thing. So just like Galaglass. Two, yeah, that's it. Yeah, there's the Galaglass two point exactly because it's the same seasonal? family. Were they more less permanent, more seasonal, or were they every bit as permanent? So the Galaglass at the very start, with the exception of the McSweeney's and their exceptional circumstance, were the same. They were seasonal too. Um, it, it, it was only after coming across for a couple of seasons that they started to establish themselves in these groups and in these areas and start asking for land instead of money. And, you know, um, so th these are the, the Red Shanks did the exact same thing. They were seasonal, but then we know that there are families here descended from Red Shank settlers and stuff. So, and it's the same families. The Campbells are another Red Shank family. You know, it, it's the same families doing the same thing they've always done. They just had a wee bit of a break, you know? <laughs> that is so interesting. So it was mostly the same kindreds that are sending these guys over yeah and actually end up fighting up fighting the same kindred that had left their main lines that 300 years before you know because they've 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 adopted to the way the scottish political system and religious system had changed in that time period and the gallagas have become more gale sized because they're in ireland and they're they're under that one and like say you so you would have you would maybe have you know um McDonald, you have McDonald against McDonald on the battlefield. Um, you know, one's 
in Gallo Glass and one, you know, with his chain mail and the other ones. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure about to name the outfits, but more padded than than uh, than heavy chain mail. But yeah, I know. Yeah, but distant kin, distant kin. So it's. Uh, you know, I noticed a pattern with what you're saying, especially when you talk about the Scandinavian influence. Doesn't that does that not mirror? the exact pattern that the Vikings went through at the very early stages they're coming is very seasonal and they're not, mm. they're not taking a lot of territory. They're hitting and running, they're raiding, they're hitting soft targets and they might, they might hang out. They might establish a little overwinter camp nearby on some Island and hole up for the winter, but it's not, but it's later on that they become, no, we're here to stay. We're a thing. Now you've got to deal with us. It follows a very similar pattern. Human history does. There's very few instances of um, uh, Scottish history is filled with uh, the Vikings came and wiped out this entire island, and you know all these. You know the the Vikings came and wiped out this entire town, or the English came, or you know yeah. yada yada. Uh, history is filled of these stories. Uh, this clan was entirely wiped out, and it never happens like that. There's not a there's no. there would be very few instances where an entire village island clown would be wiped out in its entirety yes the the way that we they viewed themselves at the time of maybe being the hot shots of the area the leaders um the village could have been a thriving town um the island could have been a thriving island and then it's been reduced down to a different level uh, that you know stepped down yeah. but then they're never no one's ever completely eradicated um so uh yeah these and that is human sort of history all right from the start um yes but so this continuation is happening here in the early medieval period they're 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 new they're going off on these uh adventures for wealth glory fame um and then they're if you're successful at it enough times in a specific area you think to yourself well, what's the point of going back you know i may as well just stay here and do it continuously i'm missing out half half the time i'm away in the boat instead of not here that's that's you know a third of my journeys you know a third of my conquest is you know in a boat i could just up my revenue by staying here plus land you know um is always uh is always wanted so yeah. uh and and all, all you notice these sort of groups are always successful in their initial um probing uh, you know expeditions so the vikings very successful for the first sort of, you know, hundred years. The Gallo Glass, very successful for the first couple of hundred years. It's always the successful groups that sort of, um, you know, you get a few, you know, the Berbers who were collecting slaves in the, you know, in the later centuries, you know, none of them tried to settle, you know, it's a, it, because uh, people realise that, that they can't, obviously, for various reasons. But, yeah, it's always the successful groups coming in, continuing, next group next group next group and it goes back hundreds of thousands of years i'm sure i don't know i don't know how long it goes back but it goes back goes back as far as human history anyway yeah i i have seen that in certain clan histories where they're talking about a battle and like oh yeah the whole fighting strength of this clan was wiped out and then like 20 years later you see him in a battle again you're like i'm pretty sure <laughs> that the whole clan wasn't wiped out now but, maybe yeah whoever the chief had with him at the time, maybe he, maybe it was a raid. It wasn't like a full yeah. battle and the numbers were overstated and maybe he had like 60 dudes and maybe most of them died, but he's got yeah. like 300 more. <laughs> <that he can laughs> have anyway. Yeah. It's, 
it's, I think it's uh, just as much as storytelling, you know, this um, yeah. uh, emphasis on these points to sort of make it sound like how bloody and it, it was. And maybe in a political stance, it was maybe, you know, this specific line was um, was more important than that, the next line that took over. And any survivor of that specific line can be like, oh, our clown was wiped out, you know, and because it's, it's really he's lost his position as a, you know, so there's always these we uh human elements in in the, in our stories that sort of uh, get forgotten and i'm sure but like i say it's, it's, we have the same stories with the vikings in the isles as well i'm sure i'm pretty sure i read many a times and the island was all the men were killed on this island and the vikings took over and you know it, it just it, it it never works like that at the end of the day the vikings even if they did want to wipe out an entire island they're going to need people to farm the land they're going to need people to do all the jobs they don't want to do you know so it's not all the man. <laughs> yeah, I agree. No, that's good. And you explain that very well that the, uh, and, and, and you, I think, I think you contributed the, how I had that in my head with red shanks versus goggle glass. You definitely deepened my understanding of, of that relationship there. And I think it was very helpful. I think this whole conversation has been way helpful for my audience. I think they'll love it. We did spend a chunk of time a little earlier you know, in those, 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 um, between post, you know, immediately post Roman clear up until, you know, 1100, maybe in that area. And I don't, but I do think there's value in that because these, these clans, whether Irish or Scottish are not just popping into place out of nowhere on the scene. I think it's important to understand that earlier history. And then, then we can move in and we've established out those foundations. In fact, lately I've thought about maybe revisiting some of my very first episodes that I ever did talking about the different ethnic groups that largely were the biggest contributors to the clans of Scotland, your, your Gales of Dalriada, your Britons of Strathclyde, your Angles of Northumbria, the Picts, the Vikings, and then later the Normans. Um, and, and maybe just doing a better job of that. Cause I do think it bears heavily on your understanding of than that later time periods. Yeah, it, it all sort of interconnects. Um, and I'm the same. I look back on my some stuff and think, I maybe should clear that up a wee bit better. Um, so my dad always told me that if you're going to make a video or do a lecture or whatever, have a point and that stick to that point. And I find it very hard sometimes to stick to a specific point because I get so sidetracked. As many of your listeners will now attest to, how easy it is for me to go off on these wee alleyways um but always have a point and stick to that point and um so i'm on the same i'm thinking of going back and just sort of re re-solidifying my stance on certain things and um you know why i think that way um rather than just going for for our like i noticed a lot of my videos it's uh 20 minutes of introduction and then the last five minutes are actually what i wanted to do the video about <laughs> yeah well I, that was one of my especially my first couple of years of doing this that was one of the biggest corrections that i heard from people was like dude pick a pick a topic and stay on it like you're all over the place <laughs> i was like okay uh, they're gonna be like oh you're back at it clint you're I back know. at it well yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we can do it like a concise summary of what we've talked about. Maybe as I, because I'll re probably record a separate intro to all this and say, hey, look, here's what we're going to talk about. Because it does, I think that there is, there is a common thread weaving throughout it all. And if you can set that expectation at the very beginning, then mm -hmm. they'll, they'll kind of understand that moving forward. But going back, we've talked about some of the foundational 
uh, elements of both Irish and Scottish clans, some of the records that were involved, how those histories developed. And then we moved into this relationship and this back and forth. I think the biggest back and forth between Ireland and Scotland, when you're thinking of clans and specific kindreds is, is that Galaglass back and forth. And to understand where those Galaglass come from, those going back to origins, you got this Viking element, the Scandinavian element, the Gales of Ireland and Scotland, and seeing how this all group comes together and then watching that back and forth and understanding that these aren't two completely separate worlds and that uh, these people, when these Scottish kindreds come down to settle in Ireland, they're not settling in a foreign land. Mm. Yeah, the, I imagine there were accent differences, but they can speak with each other back and forth, especially the, the Northern. I don't know how different, because my understanding of the Gaeltacht, whether it's Irish or Scottish, is that it's a spectrum. So right across from Southwest Scotland and Northern Ireland, very similar Strathnaver versus Cork, maybe <laughs> much different. Is that is that uh, accurate? Um, the sort of dialects of of Gaelic uh, are um, not as in depth as Gaelic and Gaelic is today. Uh, you know, so uh, although a Gaelic speaker and a Gaelic speaker may be able to understand a general conversation. Um, or the, the where the conversation's going by certain words, but they're just saying a certain word funny, but they can still kind of get it. Um, the dialects in Ireland were um, not that far apart. Um, in fact, I would say it would be no different to uh, an Idaho man speaking to an Alaskan, you know, uh, American or Hawaiian American. There's going to be certain words they throw in that you're like. Okay, or you know th that's not how you pronounce that, but um, I suppose actually the best example would be for American Canadian, you know, um, you see, or British, even now, you know, Irish and, and American. Yeah. There's certain certain things that you know way people say certain things, or um, you know, but that's that's the difference. It's not really that different, um, but uh throughout the entire ireland we can sort of kind of get on but it's just sort of you can just tell <laughs> i'm sure it's even uh, a state level you you've got boys from maybe east idaho or west idaho and you're just like oh he's from east idaho well, i can tell him <laughs> there's there's probably i for sure for sure so i just took a trip to new york and it wasn't new mm. york city it was yeah. buffalo but for sure, people, wherever you are in New York, if you're talking to people who they're not from somewhere else, they're, they're native of that. Absolutely. There is like, we wouldn't say it like that, but there's yeah. no problem. We could sit down and like, just like me and you right now and have just this mm -hmm. wonderful conversation. And that's kind of how I picture a McSween or a McDougal coming down into Northern Ireland or even farther. Yeah, there mm. might have been some a few things they say differently, but there's not a completely different world. Their societal structure set up pretty similar. They have similar roots. The farther back in time you go, the closer those those divergences get. Until uh, just really interesting to hear that from an with more of an Irish element than than what my audience is used to hearing. And mm. So thank you so much for contributing that. That's. That was, that was actually one of the words that you said different. You said contributed. 
Maybe <laughs> but you you contributed much yeah. to my audience <laughs> to, today. So I thank you so much for spending all this time with me. And I mean, really, I think the two of us on the subject, could we just go on and on and on? But I appreciate you taking some time, especially where we wanted to do it last weekend. It didn't quite work out more on my end than on your end. But but uh, yeah, it's just been a really uh, it's been a pleasure to, to speak with you about this, Mike. No, thanks very much, Clint, and uh, same to your audience. Thanks very much for having me, and I hope I've uh, not waffled on too much, but uh, thanks very much. Well, guys, check out Clans and Dynasties on YouTube, and uh, and just he's got he's got quite a bit of content on there. I think you'll if you haven't already been on there, I think you'll like to explore. So, all right, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Hugh. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed that conversation that I had with him. I really enjoyed it. I'm so grateful to Mike for coming on. Once again, go check out his YouTube channel. It's Clans and Dynasties. He's also done some content with Philip on Irish medieval history. And also, while you're checking things out and on YouTube, I've got a YouTube channel, as I mentioned earlier. So go check out Scottish Clans, the channel on YouTube. Also, I have an, if you're just kind of beginning your exploration of the Scottish Clans, maybe you just recently found out you have Scottish ancestry, I've got an online course. At, if you go to scottish-clans.com forward slash origins, it's a, it's kind of like a, a mini college course. It's it's got some lectures, a series of lectures that I used video for for visual with visual aids. You can watch the videos. You can also got accompanying scholarly articles, even some ideas if you wanted to take it all the way, and some ideas for writing projects that you could do if you really wanted to try to develop your ideas. I try to make it as uh, that you could take it as serious as as you want to. So go check that out. Uh, scottish-clans.com forward slash origins. Also, if you appreciate this content, you can contribute to the team by going to scottish-clans.com forward slash team. And I just want to let you know that also our Facebook group has some great discussions going on there. So go over and check out Scottish Clans on Facebook. If you would like to reach out to me for anything, comments, questions, concerns, additional ideas for podcast episodes, go to uh, my email address that you can reach out to me at is thescottishclans at gmail.com. That is much a much better way to reach out to me than Messenger off the Facebook group or uh, the Podbean platform itself in their comments section. So that's the way to get in touch, and and I look forward to hearing from you. Marishan Leib and Drasta.